0: Nature, history, prophecy, even snowbound rescues testify to God's power and God's message. But how do we know the real authority for what they tell us? Tonight, we'll discuss theological, biblical, and Christmas issues. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev... Tear down this wall. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th,
2: 1941,
0: a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Later in the show, we'll open the toll free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer.
3: Sometimes the easy way is the right way. I'll explain what I mean by that statement in just a little bit. I'm here with uh, Everett Barry today. This is Barry Creamer and Jerry Johnson Live, and we're. Uh Going to talk about some things I think are pretty interesting. By now, you've heard the news about the family that was rescued near Paradise, California. Uh, father and his three kids were out uh, looking for a Christmas tree, got lost in the woods and the terrain in uh, California in the snow there. And uh, then they weren't found for three days. And one of the cool things about this story is that the dad, Frederick Dominguez, uh, is wearing a cap on CNN when he's talking about being rescued. And the cap says, uh, "G." A-P, God Answers Prayer. And uh, so this is what he said about the rescue.
4: My daughter heard a helicopter. Dad, helicopter. So um, I, I jumped up barefoot and all, and I ran across the rocks, went up there, fell in the snow, and it, it was deep by that time, and then just started waving my hands. And uh, when, they, when they turned around, man, it was just like I was just praising God and saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, because I knew we had made it at that time.
3: Now, the helicopter pilot with the California Highway Patrol who uh, was in on the rescue, Steve Ward, uh, is describing also the things that he saw when they were effecting this rescue.
2: The uh, conditions were miserable. We'd been waiting for a window of opportunity to get up there because the weather was in. It was snowing. Uh, we'd, we'd been up there for about 30 minutes searching, and we were being forced out of this canyon because of the uh, weather moving in. As we were working our way down and out of the canyon, I looked down through the chin bubble, and I saw Mr. Dominguez climbing out of a culvert waving his hands. And so we started to orbit around him, and as we did that, I looked at him, and, and Dave and I both saw uh, help written in the snow with some branches.
3: Everett, you've got a couple of kids. Can you even imagine what it would be like to have your kids out in the woods with you, get lost? You led them out there, and you get them lost. And then now after three days of thinking you might not make it out, Having a helicopter come down, you know, within range of you, it would just be incredible, wouldn't it? It I would. Mean, I just can't even imagine. It would. Well, David White is the paramedic who was on the helicopter, and uh, he describes the condition that the family was in when he found them.
2: Uh, you know, they were in, in remarkable condition. For them to actually get
3: out and to walk up to the helicopter after three days in the, uh, the sub-freezing uh, temperature with the snow on the ground, uh, I, I was amazed. Uh, they, uh, they complained about their feet hurting, uh, which is expected. They were wet. They were cold. Uh, but they were in very, very good condition. But the reason I'm playing all of this for you is because of what that paramedic, David White, said when he was asked by CNN whether they were running out of hope that the family was going to be found okay after three days in those extreme conditions. And with that kind of condition, uh, we were hoping that uh, we would have one of those miracles, that, that we wouldn't be uh, having a, a different story right now. That The conditions up there were horrid, and uh, the small window of opportunity that we had to find them, it was just... Uh, It was nothing short of a miracle. Now, I don't want to make more out of what he said than he did. He's just using a word the way we use it in English all the time. But he did call it a miracle, and uh, we use that word in reference to a lot of things biblically as Christians. And uh, we're doing a theology day to day. We're going to be talking about a theological topic, especially starting with miracles and kind of going from there. But uh, why, you know, why do you think, Everett, that he would have referred to this as a miracle? Now, I know he's just using the word casually, but I mean, what would make us use such a strong word to describe an experience like this?
5: Probably out of the ordinary for every one family they've rescued, there might be 20, 30, 40 more that they haven't. Right. And so there's no way to explain why one out of 30 they're able to find. And so ratio wise, it just doesn't seem to be there's going to be that much hope, and so he used that word to say, "Right, thank you for letting the out of the ordinary occur."
3: So it's an extraordinary experience like this, and that's the that, that that's really one of the questions I have for you. Is not just why would he use this word, but how do we define the miraculous to begin with? And I've heard, I, I don't, I, I'm assuming you've heard this too, but I've heard people say that when something happens that is unique, something that right. never happens any other time, singular, right. uh, that that might be called a miracle. Is that? Does make sure. any sense at sure. all? Sure, okay. absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had a case uh, not too long ago in October where a baby survived this plane crash, and uh, the word that was used to describe it was also miracle.
1: Three-year-old Kate Williams is the lone survivor of a crash that claimed the lives of two men, including her grandfather. Our search and rescue crews found the little girl strapped into a child seat inside this upside-down Cessna in the middle of the wilderness. They were flying back to Edmonton at the time of the crash with little Kate in the back. Almost an hour after takeoff, an emergency signal was sent out from a remote area north of Golden. Police say Kate suffered non-life-threatening injuries. She's now back in Alberta with her family a miracle in the midst of a tragedy.
3: And the whole point being that that was the only person who survived the plane crash. And it does make sense that there's something unusual that happened there, and whether you could describe it in natural cause terms, uh, you know, the baby was in the car seat or what, uh, I don't assume that changes it. I mean, how would you explain? Would you say, yes, that counts as a miracle, or, well, casually we can refer to it as a miracle? I mean, what would you say about something like that?
5: Well, sure, we can say that it counts as a miracle in the sense of, there's no human involvement that d- determines, okay, this happened to me that way. Because you could have a baby in, in a, a particular situation, almost identical, in the seatbelt or right. in the right place, and they don't survive.
3: Right. And that's one of the troubling things about this is that we throw the word out there all the time and then forget that there are families out there listening who lost their child in right. a similar circumstance. And uh, why is that? You know, why did that happen? And then, and, and then I guess that gets to the rub of what I want to talk about in just a little bit coming up, which is how we interpret what these things are that have happened how we understand what the meaning of them is and that's what I'm going to begin to ask the callers in just a minute too. Uh, another way we understand what miracles are is just that there's something like you said a moment ago Everett, just something extraordinary uh, that happens there was a family that we heard about in the news not too long ago who had a boy who'd been missing for for years and finally was found and brought home to his family and they describe it in exactly the same way
5: obviously this is probably the best day of our lives It's hard to even
4: come up with words that can express the feeling that we've been going through when we got the call that they believed that Sean had been found and that he was okay.
6: Sean is a miracle here.
1: We're glad to have him home. I still feel like I'm in a dream.
3: And uh, that we—that's just one of the ways we understand what I mean. They were having such an extraordinary day, just so remarkable a day, after so much discouragement for so long, that they called it a miracle for this uh, ray of light to have shined back into their dark lives at that time. And 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 you described it the same way a moment ago. Now, uh, the other way I, I hear some people describe what miracles are, and the way we use it casually in our culture too, is just in reference to anything that's supernatural, anything that's beyond. What nature does itself. And so uh, any reference to faith. The the, the great movie uh, Miracle on 34th Street it's Mm -hmm. uh, in its 50th year now. It came out in 1947 by the way. So 50th Christmas with Miracle on 34th Street and what they're focused on in that uh, story is the fact that that Santa Claus doesn't need to be forgotten. You know he's worried about all that uh, being overlooked and the gist of the story is that we need to remember faith, the supernatural.
0: Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to Don't you see? It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's everything he stands for. It's oh, kindness man. and joy and love and all the other intangibles.
3: Oh, so kindness and love and joy, all the other un- intangibles. You know, right. the things that you can't touch. So, uh, something supernatural is what makes it. What it is. Okay. So, all that's that kind of stuff. Well, what I'm wanting to ask today, and ask you, uh, Dr. Barry Everett, to uh, discuss with me is, you know, biblically. Uh, not in our culture, we've mentioned the ways people use the terms, you know, term casually. I mean biblically and theologically, how are we supposed to understand what makes a miracle what it is? How would you say uh, something is a miracle? And, you know, if you're listening and and you have an opinion on this, what makes a miracle or an example that you'd like to throw out and say, well, would you count this or not? Would this be a miracle or not? Uh, Our number is 1-800-881-9270, and you're welcome to call in now or in just a little bit, and we'll take your calls and your comments on uh, this idea. So, Dr. Berry, what do you think makes a miracle what it is?
5: Well, I think the question that you're really trying to dig down to find is, what criteria do you use to find the significance of an event? Yeah. What does this mean when this happens?
3: Well, okay, okay, what fine. What does it
5: mean for something out of the ordinary to occur? Right. And when it comes to biblical miracles, what you have is interpretation of events. It's Scripture Scripture's not just concerned about giving you, okay, Christ was born of a virgin, or there's a star in the sky to guide the Magi to see the Christ child. All these things are telling you supernatural events, giving you the significance of what's going on. Well, what does it mean? Yeah. I, Whereas when we t- today talk about people surviving plane crashes right, or car right, wrecks or right. surviving winter you know, exile, you don't have chapter and verse to say, okay, this is the significance of that. And that's but, why we, but this
3: is what people do, isn't it? I mean, w- once you say, wow, it was a miracle, you begin to ascribe meaning to it. Right. Why did it happen? What, what caused this to happen is what people start to ask. And we assert that there are certain meanings to it, don't you think?
5: Right. But especially in the West, we don't want to say that there's a personal significance to it, that there's not a person who superintends.
3: Oh, you mean people try to avoid saying that.
5: Right. Well, it's, it's miraculous, but it's in supernatural maybe, but nothing to do with God.
3: Yeah, I, you know, that's true. I, I actually think people have begun to use the word miracle to avoid having to say, thank you, God, for sparing my life. That's right. Uh, that's really interesting that you would say that. I hadn't thought of that before. Hey, uh, listen, we have one caller. uh, Actually, we have uh, a couple of callers on the line. So uh, Isaiah, uh, calling from Dallas. Thanks for calling. What do you have to say?
6: Well, I wanted to ask you, what is the greatest miracle of all time?
3: You know, that's actually, I think that's a question we can answer, Isaiah. Great question. Uh, Dr. Barry. now, uh, I'm not sure if this is a mind-reading question, if I'm just asking you if you know what I'm thinking, but I know what the greatest miracle of all time is, and if you get it wrong, I think your job could be in jeopardy. I'm
5: in trouble. Well, I'm going to go with the incarnation, Jesus Christ becoming a human being.
3: Okay. Now, I was going to be more specific than that. I I was actually going to be more specific. If you had to be more specific, you wouldn't say there was one particular part of the Incarnation that was the expression of the great sign? Oh,
5: okay. Well, I guess we're thinking Christmassy thoughts. No, 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 No. I'm not.
3: No, I'm not. Oh, I'm leading him down the path. Oh, man. I'm putting a block in front of him. I'm a stumbling block. I'm going to be unemployed. No, no, I I was going to pick the resurrection. I mean, wouldn't you say that's the miracle? I mean, when Jesus is speaking about it, he says, wicked and adulterous generation, they always seek for a sign. But I'm not going to give them anything but one sign the sign of Jonah. The, right. Would you agree with that? Sure. Well, yeah, I'll, go with that. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll go with that. All right. Fantastic question, Isaiah. Thanks for calling. Julie in San Angelo, thanks for joining us here. What do you have to say?
6: Absolutely. And the question a while ago I think you voiced was, how do we define a miracle? Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. So to me, we, we all, if we relate that there is a higher power than us, which I obviously do, then we know that we're limited as humans. And that's why I think we overlook the miracles of every day and what we claim Uh. a miracle. The sun, whatever we cannot do in our own power is a miracle. The sun comes up every day, that's a miracle. My child is healed without medicine, that's a miracle. I don't get robbed in the middle of the night. You know, sometimes that's a miracle. But whatever happens without my power, which my power is so limited and that's the miracle of the
4: higher power, which is
3: Jesus Christ. All right, very good. Now, if you can hang on the line for just a second, I may want to come back to you in just a minute. Everett, what do you think about that definition of a miracle, anything that's done beyond our power, basically?
5: Uh, I understand that what she's saying is that God is constantly intervening. It's not that God just decides sometimes to do something and then lets everything else go on its own. So she's absolutely right in the sense that God is sustaining everything that we do and everything we are, that our being is summed up and defined in His power and His presence. Yeah,
3: Julie, I'm sorry I'm not going to have time to get back to you real quickly, but but that was my point, was to say, I'm not sure if we include uh, the activity of God that we could exclude anything from actually being His supernatural involvement in the world, that every single thing that happens, in fact, Paul's way of saying it on Mars Hill was, in Him we live and we move and we have our being, and that's where we find our confidence. I appreciate both of those calls and comments. If you want to call in on miracles or something that's happened with you that you want to just find out about or ask about or comment about, you feel free to call us at 1-800-881-9270. This is Barry Creamer with Everett Barry on Jerry Johnson Live.
0: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer.
3: Barry Creamer here with Everett Barry, and we're talking about miracles. Uh, Just off the air, uh, Isaiah, the caller that we had right off the bat, was uh, making the comment after I'd said, the resurrection is the great miracle. Right. Uh, He made the comment that Lazarus was also raised from the dead, but only Jesus was virgin-born, in which case uh, your argument might have some merit to it. So what do you think about this? Just out of quick, quick, because with the, the the lines are full, so we're going to get to the callers in just a moment.
5: Sure, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Uh, the widow at Nain, her son was raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. You have resurrections of the Old Testament. Sure. Key though is she; these people die again. They're ah. not still around with Elvis yeah, somewhere. Right. So. Uh, Jesus being raised from the dead is called the firstborn of creation, that or firstborn from the dead. Gotcha. And so glorified, will never die again. A resurrection. So, so if
3: we were ranking miracles, not like we have to, but sure. I, just just, just, sure. just for, for fun, if we're ranking miracles, which one would you put uh, first uh, if you had to choose between the resurrection and the virgin birth? I'm going to fu- I'm,
5: I'm fudge and say there's a tie.
3: Okay, the incarnation. So right. you're still yeah, going I'm, with I'm the whole fudge. Christ event right. thing. Oh, yeah, sure. That's a good theologian's answer. That's right. Theologians are never specific enough to get into trouble. And uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> by the way, I'm not sure that's the sound a goat would make if it was being wrapped on that commercial that was in the middle. Anyway, uh, I, I do. I, I should say but that that comment, by the way, came from Bob. Now, I know his name is not really Bob, but our call screener, because I call him Bob because we have Larry in there okay. doing the producing also. So we've got a cucumber and a tomato doing the work. Uh, listen, we've got David on the line uh, in Dallas. I appreciate your calling. David, what's your comment?
4: Hello. Uh, two things. I, just an observation, really, on miracles in okay. the temporary uh, world. I see them used mainly in two different ways. One, uh, the the way you mentioned earlier, on kind of a denial of, of God's involvement, like right. a miracle as in anything happening that's out of the norm And then a second way I see it is uh, actually in a theological way, but in a limited view of God's involvement, saying that at this time God decides to um, do something that's out of our normal frame of reference. That sounds like
3: the same definition twice to me. What's the difference between the first and the second one?
4: Well the first one uh doesn't ha- there doesn't have to be a god. It's just miracle is just a word. Oh it's just the way. But but that's just, just a change
3: just, in perspective. We see something abnormal happen. Right. It, well
4: we see something abnormal and it has nothing to right. do with theology whatsoever. The second and definition the is, is when god
3: does something abnormal.
4: That it's like <laughs> you know uh, a par- a god who's partially involved with his creation and miracles is where he in some way decides to reveal himself by doing an abnormal act.
3: Okay, uh, now do you think there? I mean, do you actually think there are things that would be appropriately referred to as miracles without reference to God having done them?
4: Uh, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Okay. I would say that um, that your definition of miracle hinges upon your uh, the way you view. God's involvement sure. in his creation. Okay. So, and it, so if I were to answer the question, would I use the word miracle, right. um, I would probably say no in the contemporary understanding of now
3: the you, you, Now, you realize right now that you're answering as uh, something of a relativist. I know you don't mean to do that, but you are. You're, you're basically saying, well, I wouldn't use it that way, but somebody else could use it that way. I know other people use the word miracle simply to refer to the extraordinary. I'm asking you if they're right or if they're wrong. Well, what do you think? Th- <laughs> Are you willing to say somebody's sure wrong?
4: philosophy of language, I'm sure <laughs> you understand that language changes meaning over time. And so the way this current generation is using the word would be incorrect in regards to
3: theology. All right, that's good. I'm glad we were able to squeeze that answer out of you. No, really, that was a great comment. I appreciate you let me play with you there a little bit. Uh David and Ulyss, I'll be more polite to you, I promise. Uh thanks for calling Hi. in. This is Barry Creamer. What do you have to say?
2: <clears throat> Hi, I just wanted to disagree. You said you uh good. your guest, you said you told him that uh the resurrection. uh he guessed the re- No, you guessed the resurrection.
3: That's exactly right. Not just guessing, and, uh, but yeah, I that's right.
2: I have to say that the creator of heaven and earth, our Lord Jesus, who created life and death itself and created man, uh, raising from the dead is a great miracle, coming uh, by virgin birth is a great miracle. But what is really incomprehensible is how a God that could create heaven and earth and man himself would leave his throne and be held by his creatures as a baby.
3: So you're just siding with Dr. Barry.
2: I am indeed. Yes, okay, that that's good.
3: I think that's reasonable. I, I, I
2: can if I had a throne like that, I wouldn't leave it. Yeah. Down here.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean the only defense I have on my side is the Word of God itself, of course. Oh, I'm just teasing, but it does say. I mean, Jesus does say, "I'm only going to give you one sign, and it's the sign of Jonah, the prophet." That's why I chose it. I, I'm I'm just choosing it because the Bible makes me do it, Everett. What do you? And also says
5: say, Paul says that God has given us an unspeakable gift, referring to Christ and true true. incarnation.
3: It's true. It's unspeakable, but it's not quite top. You know. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 fine. They're tied. I'll, I'll go with tied right now. Fair uh, We don't have to rank them anyway. I know that. We're just kind of playing with it. But uh, thanks for your comment, David. I appreciate your calling in. And I, I, I really do agree with you. What an unbelievable event for Christ to have chosen to leave heaven and come to this world. And and actually for God himself to become flesh. I mean, that, that is an unspeakable miracle. Uh, Catherine in Dallas, thank you for calling and hanging on.
6: Hello, Dr. Kramer. I think that there's other miracles that people really miss a lot of time. Okay. And um that's whenever you go through significant um tragedies um right. in your life and God gives people this miraculous ability to yeah. make it through that trial or that tragedy uh for his glorious purpose on the other side. An, an example would be Joseph in the Bible being sold into right. slavery and imprisoned for years, and he had his divine purpose.
3: So you're saying it's a, um, it's a miracle when it, that, that all of those events transpire in Joseph's life and that he perseveres and has the ability to come out on the other side and say, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. That, yes, that, that's and, the and kind it's of a
6: miracle thing. to even be able to, to, to survive and go through it that that's a miracle because so many it's human nature to give up
3: wow uh i think that's a great comment actually i I think we're going to come back to that in a little bit and uh, talk some more about it in detail in just a moment we have some other callers i'm going to get to right now in fact we have one calling from uh chattanooga am i saying that correctly is this mary in chattanooga or chattanooga oklahoma
1: it's chattanooga oklahoma chattanooga like like chattanooga tennessee it's 500 people
3: glad you (laughs) called
1: well, I'm glad I called, too. I've experienced a lot of miracles in my lifetime. I, I think that to us, what a miracle is, is God's norm. You know, He has So when you say everything. you've experienced
3: a bunch of miracles, do you mean uh, things that other people would look at and say were miraculous happened, or just something that you yourself okay. perceive as a miracle?
1: Let me give an, an example. Real quickly. May 14th of this year, I... Uh, I was driving to work, and normally I live in a town 30 miles away, so there's 10 or 20 people driving at about the same time. A spotter dropped down from my visor, and I hit a bridge. Oh. I hit one side of the bridge, and then I hit the other side of the bridge. Normally, there would probably be about 10 cars at the same time Right. with me.
3: Crossing traffic.
1: Uh, I, I ended up with, uh, it totaled my car. I mean, it was a significant wreck, but I came out of it with just a fractured sternum. But I was doing just fine. The miracles were that I had one person tell me that, gosh, her hair dryer quit working. Uh, so she was running about five minutes late. And then one person, the electricity went off. Oh, and one all the things her. that kept
3: them off of the bridge at that right. moment. Yeah, I get you. it
1: was during the flooding in so, Oklahoma. Yeah. It was having all the flooding, so right, the water right. was coming across the bridge.
3: Right.
2: And so it could have been catastrophic. Been bridge.
3: And it wasn't right yeah you know what this this is ever i, I want to know how to take this because when i hear this what i say to myself is what happened to you was a good thing mary and by the way mary thank you for calling and sharing that with us what happened to you was a good thing therefore i know it was from god because every good thing is from god right can i go any further than that i know i want to say that much and, and that makes it miraculous in my book because god did it because it's good right. so but can i go any further than that or what, what how would i go further what would you do with that
5: well, it's it can be tricky because maybe the reason the person was five minutes late was because they were involved in something they shouldn't have been involved in, and that <laughs> kept them off the bridge. Or, right, right. So it, the problem is trying to streamline – divine activity in every detail. And sometimes it seems to fit, but other times it
3: it can be difficult to make fit. giving God credit for the good that he does is different from trying to ascribe to God a certain purpose that you interpret into what he did. Right. Right? Yeah, I I agree. And and that is a real difficulty. Richard, I appreciate you hanging on the line for us. Uh, We're going to try to squeeze you in here right now. What do you have to say?
4: In the interest of time, I'll be brief, but uh, when when it hits home, you recognize that it's not just a word... When it happens to you personally, my 28-year-old, about uh, two days after Thanksgiving, went into cardiac arrest, Mm -hmm. and they gave him absolutely no hope. I've since been told by the pulmonary specialist that he did not think he would survive. Brain was deprived of oxygen for upwards of 15 minutes. That's not supposed to be survivable. Right. Yet his trachea uh, came out today. Feeding tube out, uh, the, the doctors have no explanation as to how this happened. Of course, they don't know our God either.
3: Right. right. Yeah. And uh, we have some testimonies like that around the school here. Right. Uh, Dr. Cooper's grandson survived right. a miraculous episode like that, too. And we're still grateful for what God does in those cases. Uh, listen, what we've been talking about so far is uh, miracles. But I, I want to go beyond miracles in just a little bit, uh, Everett, and talk also just about nature itself. Because, you know, we can see things about God in nature. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt the Bible says that much uh, but what I want to ask you after this uh, after this little break that we're about to take, and in just a moment, is oh, you know what are we supposed to understand from nature? How much can we understand from it? And I'm curious to know what our callers would think about that, too. Or they may just continue uh, sharing with us ideas about miracles, because I certainly don't think we've resolved that question yet. Uh, our idea is that uh, we do give God thanks for all the great works that he does in our lives, and we ought to be aware that God is the one who's affecting those things. We want to know what you think about that, too, as soon as we get back together here. We'll be right back with more on Jerry Johnson Live.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. And I'm here with Everett Berry, and we've been talking about miracles, what makes
3: one, how do you understand what it is, and then if you decide something is a miracle, what are you supposed to make of it? Uh, you know, you give thanks to God, obviously, you give credit to God, but how do you interpret what it means? Why did it happen? Those kinds of questions are what we've been asking. We have some callers on the line that we're going to get to in just a moment, uh, but one question I have for you real quickly, Everett, while we're uh, just, just before we get to the callers is, uh, it's also true that not only do we see these extraordinary or singular or supernatural as we've described them, events take place, and then, and then call those miracles and say something about God because of them. But also, uh, we just look at nature. We look at uh, the heavens, the, the skies, you know, like Psalm 19 or Romans 1 talks about. And uh, we believe that nature does speak. Uh, since the Enlightenment, I think we called it the book of nature. You know, the nature, right. nature, nature can speak. But what it says, somehow or another, is limited. I mean, we have to admit that in some way. So what, what, what could we take from the book of nature, what can we say we learn if we look at the sky or if we look at the you know the world around us? Is there anything we can learn about God from that that we could say legitimately, or are we bound to say not? Nah, you know, there's nothing there but science.
5: Well, if you're talking about a person looking at nature on their own mm-hmm. with their own mind, their own and that's what I'm perceptions, talking about. Then all they're going to develop from that is their own understanding of an idol. Oh, okay. What wow. have? What happens is nature is perceived to be whatever it may be, whether it's the heavens or a tree or a a worldview, an ideology or the ocean, it becomes – the end instead of a means to an end. But I mean, wouldn't
3: you take Psalm, like if you take Psalm 19, the first four, five, six verses together, and, right. and you take Romans 1, wouldn't, wouldn't you take it to be saying that nature declares that there is a power that's higher than us, that he's personal, right. and that he has a moral requirement on us that we failed? It yes. looks to me like that's what Romans a- 1 says.
5: Absolutely. Say. No question. The problem is the audience does not interpret the sermon that way.
3: Ah, yeah. That's okay, I got you. So the problem's not the message. The problem is the receiver. That's right. Uh, when we're looking at it, our minds are messed up because right. of our sin nature. That's right. All right, good. I, I get where you are on that. Okay, I appreciate you all holding on the line. Sean in Dallas, thanks so much for calling. What do you have?
6: Hi. I just wanted to comment, uh, give my uh, comment on the greatest miracle between the virgin birth and okay. the resurrection. All right, we got
3: a contest going here.
6: hmm <laughs> Uh, well, I think there are many great miracles in the Bible, sure. particularly the feeding of the multitude. Sure. Uh-huh. But I think the greatest miracle between those two would be the virgin birth.
3: Okay. All right. Another vote for you, Everett. Uh, the Incarnation all is right. getting the win here. All right. I don't know what's wrong with these people. You'd think they'd agree with the Bible. Now, you're a Baptist. Majority <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you have to know, listening, that I, I'm joking about this, because people do that all the time. They triangulate God into these discussions and say, well, of course, I just believe the Bible. Right. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just being facetious with that. Uh, I do think it's an interesting question, though, worth asking. Uh, Debbie in Dallas, thank you so much for calling. Uh, what do you have to share with us today?
6: Well, I would like to say that, uh, I think most people, uh, you know, they use the term coincidence when, uh, something happens good where people or circumstances, you know, come out good. But right. You know, I always look at it as it's a God incident, because God is involved in everything that we do, and, you know, God can make it good, God can make it come out bad.
2: Now,
3: really, Debbie, I appreciate what you're saying you know, for our good. I appreciate what you're saying because the, the truth of the matter is that's what I, uh, that's one of the main things I want to point out. Whenever anything good happens, we have to give God credit for it because He is the source of all good things. That's what James 1 tells us. Every good gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. Uh, he's a great God worth talking about. All right, we also have, uh-oh, I must have done something wrong, uh, Everett. Dr. Johnson is on the line right now. Dr. Johnson, uh, Uh, Should I say thanks for calling?
2: (laughs) Yes, Barry. Hey, listen, I have a question for you guys. I'm going to hang up and listen to the answer. Okay. And uh, some of the recent Democrat debates, there was an approaching hurricane, Okay. and the candidates were asked uh, what they thought about the power of prayer. And Joe Biden and John Edwards both said, it doesn't matter how much you pray, you're not going to stop that hurricane or you're not going to change its direction.
3: Right. But oh, they
2: said at the same time, they believed in the power of prayer. Right. I'd like for you to address that question, and of course, remember Pat Robertson's claim years ago.
3: Sure. Wow. Well, I, I could go on too long about this, Everett. I'm going to ask you first, then. Uh, what would you say about them saying, I believe in prayer, power of prayer, but I, but I don't believe that you could turn away a hurricane with prayer? What would you say?
5: Well, I think Jesus said you could move a mountain if it just had the faith the size of a mustard seed. Right. The question isn't whether you can pray and God answer it and move the hurricane. The question is, is your request for the hurricane to be removed in accordance with what God wants to do? Yeah. And if it is, absolutely. Right. I like that. But if God has greater intentions for not moving the hurricane. Right then the answer to the prayer will be no.
3: I agree. I'm I'm so convinced of this. I I say this all the time. We should never limit our prayers based on God's power. That would be foolishness because God can do absolutely anything. In fact, I believe he can do things that people would think were self-contradictory. He can do anything. But his will is specific. So his right. power is unlimited. His will is specific, which means the thing we have to be sure we're in accordance with in prayer is his will. And in fact, I've experienced the same issue with people limiting the power of prayer and spirituality in general in terms of the pastorate. Because a lot of times, us, those of us, and Dr. Berry has been a pastor for several years also. I've served as a pastor. Uh, we serve in the ministry. And some of you are not going to agree with this statement I'm about to make. But here's what happens. People come into our office and ask us for help. And what we're trained to do, what we're trained to To say when they come in is, well, I can help you with things like baptism and your family, uh, getting into church and things like that. But if you have a real psychological need, I'm going to need to send you to a professional because we believe now I'm not against psychology or psychiatry. I don't have any problem with those practices as in essence. I do have a problem with the way they're practiced in some cases, but not not with them essentially. But, but I'm telling you, we have crippled ourselves in Christianity when we say, well, I can do the spiritual things, but, you know, I can't affect real things like people's minds right. and and their material uh, situations, like right. a hurricane coming. Or what, what are we doing limiting God like that? I mean, Christ did not come to deliver us from Sunday morning boredom, so we'd have something to do at church. He right. came to deliver us from sin and its consequences, and we ought to be having a little more confidence in him. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the call for sure when it comes from dr johnson we appreciate right. the call and uh and uh, that's our take on it so we'll see what comes out of that Teresa, appreciate your holding on the line in fort worth uh what do you have for us today
6: thank you so much for taking my call i have something that i want you to tell me if i'm thinking correctly when god kicked satan out of heaven was that not a miracle because he didn't
1: destroy him
3: <laughs> uh, was it not a miracle because he didn't destroy the devil when he kicked him out of heaven? A merciful miracle.
5: A merciful miracle.
3: Sure. A merciful miracle. Sure. Yeah, actually, that's one of the greatest miracles is God's mercy. I mean, just the fact that th- this, this is an interesting question, actually, Teresa, because I think in the Bible, all of the time, God acts in merciful ways that are contradictory to what should have happened to us because of our sin. So if we were going to define a miracle as anything extraordinary, every day God doesn't crush me because of my sin is another miraculous day. So I actually appreciate that call and suggestion. Um, listen, we, we've been talking about what miracles are and how we would define them. We've gotten to introduce the concept of nature here uh, very briefly, and we've talked about what we could take from the book of nature. Now, what I want to ask you is something else, uh, Dr. Barry, because I think there are a lot of times when people are trying to teach or uh, speak or share something from the Scriptures, and they don't actually share anything from the Scriptures. They share something, you know, beside or completely outside of the Scriptures, and they, right. they end up teaching some really strange things. So, have you heard anything like that? And if you have, what what have you heard lately that, that fits in that category?
5: Well, first of all, it, it's really tricky because on the one hand, when you're dealing with text, you do want to be sensitive to culture and the audience and the context. But at the same time, many times we get so uh, – consumed with defending the veracity of what we're reading in a text right 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 that we miss the text so and, and the thing is conservatives can fall into that trap and liberals can fall into that trap mm-hmm. conservatives can talk about uh for instance the the uh sun, the sun standing still when joshua was fighting with the israelites and yeah
3: i've received that email a dozen
5: times right and they talk about the scientists who found the missing day and so that's where the missing day is and that doesn't, doesn't have any bearing upon what's going on in the text.
0: Right.
3: But then at the same time... A completely can, fallacious email, by the way. If you get that email, stop forwarding it. That, that, it, it's, <laughs> not true. it it's not true. It, 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 stop doing that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm at sorry. the same
5: time, you can have maybe... Uh, a moderate or someone to the left dealing with the gospel accounts where Jesus is walking on the water and right. say, "Well, it just—it's not. He's not really walking on the water. He's walking on pebbles or rocks that are in the water, or it just appears that he's walking on the water." Right. And that completely ignores the text as well. So right. you can have you can have problems either way. They both ignore the text, but one's trying to respect it and one's trying to make it more domesticated in our modern age.
3: Right. And one of the reasons I'm asking the question is because people will take stories like that. I, I just watched a video on the Star of Bethlehem. I think probably a lot of people have seen it lately. And, you know, to be honest, there's some there's some poor biblical interpretation in it. There's some interesting astronomy in it. Sure. But, I, you know, applying that to some claim about the birth of Christ and all of that is really specious to me. I, I can't make any sense of it. And if I want to say anything about God with any authority at all, uh, it only makes sense to me to say it from the Scriptures. And right. if I can't say it from the Scriptures, then it's not worth saying. And if I can say it from the scriptures, then what am I doing spending all my time out there, outside of the scriptures, instead of just in the book itself? That's where I want to be. Now, we've only got a second, but we've got Bob from Terrell. And uh, Bob, what do you have to say? What do you have? You just have a second. but What do you have yeah, for us I today? I
2: just wanted to make a comment what was just said, that uh, you can pray and do all you want to do But until you want to make the change, nothing will happen. That happened to me because I was in 89, had electricity go through my left arm and had it blow out my right arm, and it started causing seizures. And I was angry at God about it. And uh, it caused me to be bitter and go into Great Depression until I finally gave it up to the Lord and... Said, Lord, I'm not bitter to you. Well, about you
3: let Lord. me tell you why I appreciate that call. Because the truth of the matter is, when any of these things happen, one of the first questions we ought to be asking is, what needs to change in me? Because the truth of the matter is, we always ought to be asking that question. And these things are shocking or extraordinary in such a way that they draw our attention again to the fact that God is dealing with us and wants to do with us. This is Barry Creamer with Everett Barry for Jerry Johnson Live.
0: college today for information about the upcoming term call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to Chriswell.edu. that's Chriswell.edu. you're listening to jerry johnson live now here's today's host dr barry creamer and I'm with Everett Berry, and we've been
3: talking about miracles today and what we can understand outside of Scripture, but we've also been trying to draw the attention back down to remember that we have a tremendously simple authority over all that we think, say, and do as Christians. And, of course, that's that's the Scriptures. But, but you know, in all of this statement, that doesn't mean we don't believe in miracles. You know, Everett, do you believe God still does miracles today? Do you believe he does things like heal people and change the natural world around us? Absolutely. Okay, of me course. too. Uh, me too. No qualms about that whatsoever. My my issue is, though, thinking that we can what the meaning of those things is without reference to the Scriptures. Right. I, I think the only way I can understand or express the specific will of God, especially, well, you know, regarding what would you say is the point of a miracle or of any kind of powerful work that God does, what's it directed toward? Uh, what's he trying to teach us about?
5: Well, even even whenever something happens and we may, you can have something happen to you and give a correct interpretation of God and his character and still not, accurately refer to why he did it. For instance, when Job goes through all his accounts, there are many things his comforters say about God that are true. Right. But at the end of the
3: story, they're still dead wrong. But they're not about what what happened to Job. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, of course, what he's pointing us toward is this specific Revelation about salvation and redemption. So when we first got started today, I had said uh, sometimes the easy way is the right way. And what I meant by that is this. It doesn't take a lot of detective work to figure out what we're supposed to teach or preach or share from the Bible. I don't mean by that it doesn't take a lot of work. It does take a lot of work, but it's not a search for something that's hidden. It's a search to recover what was obvious from the beginning. Uh, I tell this to my biblical exposition students all the time, and that is just go right down the middle of the text. Don't focus on the peripheral you'll be fine that's the problem that a lot of people spend their time in these extraneous things like the claims you were making about that uh, email that's been sent out you know I can show you some wild event that that authorizes some truth that you would never know from the scriptures so to practice what we preach uh, here are pieces from two biblical texts very simple but I know you agree profound enough to merit listening intently to what is actually said these come from of course Matthew 1 and Luke 1 and 2
0: And the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her, and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at the saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." and he called his name Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, You can find that reading, by the way, under the archives
3: on jerryjohnsonlive.com. If you want to share it with your family later, maybe on Christmas Day, have the reading. Just remember to include uh, the biblical meaning of Christmas in your Christmas. Everett, thanks for sitting in with me today. I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course, I enjoyed it off the air, too. But uh, it's fun to do it on the air when we have to regulate ourselves. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, you can uh, listen to Penedexter, Dexter, who will be interviewing Kirby Anderson on his new book, A Biblical Point of View on Islam. We'll also discuss the Iran nuclear situation with defense expert Van Hipp. This is Barry Creamer with Everett Barry, and you've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show.